Thanks, Thomas. Good to see everybody. You all right? Um, it's been a while since I've been down. It, that wasn't kind of scheduled. It was supposed to be done a few times and different things have happened. So it's good to be back and good to see some uh, familiar faces, but I see a whole lot of faces I've never seen before. So it's really good to see you all. Um, I'm John. Um, uh, first of all, before I start, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who sent text messages and messages this week. Some of you know my mum passed away last Saturday. Uh, she was buried on Wednesday. And um, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. She should have been away probably about eight times before. And, uh, you know, so when you, you let go and then eventually she, she passed over, it was really peaceful. But we were just, uh, we're actually blown away just by incredible generosity of people and kind words. And, you know, it's, it's funny to me how strangers can be the ones that leave the most mark. And uh, um, so thank you so much for everybody who, who, who sent that. Um, it's funny, you prepare yourself for the loss of parents. And I do a lot of teaching on the orphan heart. And I realize this week now I am an orphan. And uh, yeah, I know it's... I, I've got to sit dark. I have to have a dark sense of humour sometimes, but it's it's one of those. My mum had delirium in the last a few last days, and honestly, I don't think we've ever laughed about anything so terrible in all our lives. Um, but uh, now we're we're doing well, and my sisters, um, my sisters particularly, were were really touched by the kindness of journey people. So thank you so much. Anyway, today's uh, a new beginnings. We're in the middle of a series. Um, uh, I, I just come off a flight. I was in, at a conference the last few days in in England with um, some of our team, and. Um, I was up very early this morning to catch a flight back from Birmingham and got in here. And uh, I spent more time uh, in Irish Street this morning trying to get in here than I did trying to get off a plane. But uh, uh, we're here. It's funny, it's about, um, I'm sure it must be coming up when I would say it's probably 20, maybe 17, 18 years ago when Fiona Newell came to me and said, John, um, I think we should, we should plant a church in St. Patrick. And I'm going, I'm still trying to plant one in Antrim. Why would I want to plant one in St. Patrick? And uh, over the course of that time, there was a bunch of people who prayed for this town and, uh, and prayed that God would, would do something. And uh, anybody I spoke to about planting the church in St. Patrick said, don't do it. Uh, they called it the church planter's graveyard. And uh, that's because anybody who ever tried to do something down here ended, ended in a grave where the church didn't quite make it. And yet, um, though some of you may not know the story, but um, we had angel visitations and all sorts of things happening. Um, and... Uh, um, God just really opened the doorway about five years ago and uh, um, Big Andy, he's not here today, but um, Big Andy just were in the middle of prayer meeting over at St. Patrick's Centre and Andy said, no bingo hall's free. And uh, funny, Thomas put a photograph up uh, two weeks ago uh, and I, I, I oh, Sharon it was, and uh, I, I almost had a nervous breakdown looking at it. <laughs> I forgot how bad this place was when we came into it and uh, um, um, we're, we're here and this building has uh, served a purpose and uh, it's really good. But I, I want to share a little bit about just our heart of where we're at and um, give you some information and um, let you know how we're going to go forward um, in, into this. Um, you know, it, it does my heart good when I come down here and, and it's like <laughs> it's like a smaller community. It's a, it's, a, it's a different type of church to Antrim and yet sometimes this is what we used to be like about seven years ago. And uh, so I, if, if there's any hope in the future, it's, it's yes, we're here now, but... You know, if you look what God's done with us in Antrim, a few years ahead of you guys, I really believe that's your future too. And, um, you know, you, we, our, our guys are slightly envious in that we're a, we signed for a new building on the 17th of December for you guys, which is actually bigger than our building. So, um, so this often, you know, there seems to be a, an underlying competition for, for buildings as we go along. But um, um, I want to just share a little bit about where we've come from and where we're going to. Um, we, we got here, as I said, we, a, a group of people, 
I would say an eclectic group of people from all different backgrounds started to meet over in the St. Patrick Center on a prayer night. And we, we just met over there and we, we met for a year and we just prayed and then we started services and uh, um, I suppose the culture developed as we went along and we didn't always know what we're doing. I, I still am sure I know what I'm doing. Um, but every time God says, you know, you try to get off the train, God keeps saying, no, you gotta keep doing it. And um, we've, uh, we've had some fun and, uh, and some good things and God touching people's lives, people have come to salvation. We've seen miracles healing and God moving in power and we want to see that um, and we as a church Journey Community Church we are a church planting uh, I don't want to say organization because getting the right language some of this stuff is quite hard but what we discovered very early on was that even though we had an eldership and we are an elder based church I'll share a little bit more about that in a second um, the elders in Antrim were the elders of Antrim and it was very difficult and have an experience of this for a bunch of people who don't know you to land down in here and kind of be your authority, be your governance, be the people who are over you. And we understood that, that tension. Um, but you can't just suddenly pop somebody up in the eldership that, that overnight where they fall out of the sky. I wish that was a place that happens. But the Bible's quite clear, be slow to lay on, on hands. But over the course of the last um, lot of years, we've We've really been, been, been wrestling with a vision and direction within our own eldership. Um, how do we do church planting? How do we stay in relationship? How do we govern? How do we, we oversee uh, the benefit of the, of the folks that God's, God's called to this community? And that created a bit of a dilemma because obviously these folks love you. They've, they've committed to it. Uh, the, the elders in Antrim have committed uh, to, to pursuing this and financially backed it at every level, more than some of you would even know sometimes. And uh, that's never been an issue at all. But we understood that how do we have an eldership for a multi-site, multi-town um, group of churches? And um, that, that led us over the last two years to have some very honest conversations about how we do this. And um, um, so uh, but before we go any further, I want to say we, we're going to start, Thomas obviously was established as an elder and pastor here last year. Uh, we are going to establish an eldership in, in Dan Patrick. We've been working with a group of people, praying for a group of people. And uh, we believe that these are the right folks. And Thomas obviously has to build a team around him. It would be very easy for me to come along and go, you know, I, I would have this group of people because that's, that's who you build around. Jesus, um, you know, he, he pr presented himself to people and people had an option to follow. And uh, I, I, I really want this church to thrive in health. Uh, well, why do I say that? Well, many churches do multi-site. And what they have is a central government with lots of churches that are connected in. Um, that's not ever what I really believe that we were ever about. As a church planter and someone who wants to plant more churches, um, we, we, we had to come up with a strategy that, that and I suppose the strategy came up with was came from a South African model, which was um, when, when, when you plant a church, it's like a strawberry plant. If any of you work with strawberries, you might know how this works. Uh, an arm, it gets extended out of the major strawberry plant. It gets planted into the ground. And when that plant begins to grow its own fruit, it disconnects from the parent plant. And I suppose that's our vision and our, our idea of how we see church planting, which was to plant churches, give them the support, healthy government, get them established with dreams and visions and move into that and then establish a pastoral team, an eldership team that can function and govern and look after themselves. And I think it's taken five years, but I think we're here. And even though you're a small church, I want to say this, I do think we pack a much bigger punch. 
I think we're continually punching way above our weight. I, I, you may not know this, but in some of the world that I'm in, um, in, in, in some of the local political world, um, I, I obviously know quite a lot of politicians and MLAs and they know who we are and they know what we do, but I can't tell you how much in the ether uh, your, local, your local council rave about our church. I, I don't think you, you, you understand. For a, for a government to come in and see the will of the people in here, and, and I think they must think we're huge and loaded or something, I don't know, but uh, they, 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 do, they, they do really rave, and that's a good thing. We set about from Acts 2, which was to give our, sell our possessions and give it to all those who were in need, good deeds, and I think we do that really well. It says they found favor in the community, um, goodwill, and it says 3,000 were added to their number daily, good news. And I think, you know, that's what we've built our church on. It's what we built at Drummond. Um This last week, um, Church Suite is kind of our membership, but I, I want to share a little bit about that. Um, uh, when you get to where we're at now, we have a membership between adults and kids, and I use membership, the word loosely, because um, I'm not sure what that actually looks like. But if you sign up the Church Suite, we kind of think you're in, okay? Um, even though you may not know how to work it, all right? We, we, we kind of think you're in. So if you're on church, we, we consider you part of us. Um, but that also has its problems. Um, uh, so we crossed 550 people, if you take all the adults and all the members uh, and all the kids that we have in our church. That's between the two sites. Um, you know, that, I hadn't looked at it in a while, and I got a bit of a shock when I saw that. Um, and, and, and that's a good thing. That means we're a growing church. COVID didn't affect us the way that it affected other people. Um, so we are a growing church and we are moving, but it comes with its, a problem. We in Antrim now have a visitor culture. I'm not sure how we got here, but we have, where people now, about 25% on Sunday morning, are people who are coming for a little visit. And that's created a few problems in, in how we go forward. And I really want that to happen for you guys as well. You know, uh, you, you get to a point where, where people come for a visit. But it's created a few problems in who, who's in and who's not. Um, so over the course of the next few while, we are going to move to a membership structure now, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like, but it does look like you owning something, okay? Uh, and I think, I think it's important that you understand that we don't own this, I don't own this, you guys own this. It will be your money that will pay for this building. Up to this point, it, it has been a collection group of people, but going forward, we need sustainability in order to run anything. And I want to say this, God's hand and favor over you guys, unbelievable. I stood up here on a whim one morning after I hadn't even had a discussion with our elders, having... Thomas and Fiona and I uh, agreeing to buy a building um, across the way in a very short, short, short moment. We shook a hand, said we would buy it. I'm going, I have no idea how we're going to do this. The following Sunday, I said what we needed for a deposit. And before we left here on that Sunday morning, 33,000 of a deposit was in place for us to secure that. It sat in our bank account and we've had a few legal problems over the last few months, um, which I didn't really want to bore with. Everybody's going, what's happening with the building? I'm going, I don't know, but when I know something, I'll tell you. Well, I can tell you now. We signed our contracts on the, on the 17th of December. Uh, we paid a deposit, though there has been a little bit uh, different structure. Many of you know that the interest rates have, have risen over the last six months. So what we started with and the mortgage that we were looking at probably isn't viable at the moment, so we need to re restructure some of that. Um, and we'll fill you in a little bit more on some of that. But to say this, in order to go forward and, and to do that, we never wanted a church building. 
I, I just don't want a church building, a big empty hall where nobody ever used. We wanted a community hub where a church happened to meet there on a Sunday morning. Um, so we, we, we've bought this building with a view of it becoming some kind of community hub. Uh, we want to we wanna put a coffee shop in there. We want to we wanna have a resource to the community. We want them to use the hall. Uh, we've got to set up some systems to do that uh, and figure out how we're going to do that. But as we move into that new building and we We'll know when we're moving in fairly soon. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say March, but don't don't hang me if that doesn't happen. Uh, we are in here to the end of March. That's what we what we pay up to. So it'd be kind of good if the two things flow together, so we weren't double up in payments. And uh, but uh, I want you know we've we put these cards on for building for the future. We probably need another seventy five thousand just to fit out uh, and change and fix out and do what we do and put some new technology in. And, and build stages, Raymond, and uh, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 do all the things that that, that we do, um, and that's a uh, that's probably more than we need. But it'd be good just to have a little pot going forward. Our finances have been together. Antrim and, and Dan Patrick's finances have been together forever, and going forward, that needs to change, which is going to be a responsibility for the new eldership team that we're going to put forward. Um, and uh, um, so that's a little bit about just catching up in the building. Um, wh wh why are we why, why are we Investing in this, some people say, "Well, you've only got about 85 or 90 people in Downpatrick plus kids, John." I'm like, "Yes, that's right." I, I said, "But any time that we've ever gone, if you'd have been with us that day, the Spirit of God that was was speaking to Fiona, Thomas, and I about that building, we knew that God wanted us to have it." Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure how to take the rattle out of the big hall when you've 80 people sitting in there, but I gotta believe that we have to grow. And I want to say this to you: we have to make this church grow. And that comes from that. It's too easy for us to sit comfortably. Alpha is one of the most incredible courses on the planet. I've, I've been doing them for about 30 years now, maybe more. And over that time, we've seen thousands of people come to Jesus. It's, it's available in, in 40 million countries in different languages. And, and the Alpha course is just a really good thing for you to bring one of your friends. C can I implore you, invite somebody to Alpha and come with them. It just, you know, you'll find, I, I promise you, don't say no for people. It's like, I, I used to say no for people and then discovered that if you'd asked me, I'd have came. And, and, and people love invitation. They love connectivity. And there is a lonely world out there right now that are looking for, for connection. And it only takes you to come along to a work colleague or someone that maybe you've got some semblance of a relationship. You probably shouldn't invite anybody that you don't have a relationship with, though you can try. But it's really good if you get a relationship with somebody, invite them along to Alpha Course and bring them along. That would be really good if we need to go. I'll tell you a little bit about oversight. I will get to Bible in a moment for all you people out there sitting twitching going, he hasn't read any Bible yet. I will, I promise, all right? Uh, but I wanted to update you on some things first, that, which is important. Um, uh, our, our oversight, we're, we're, as I said, we're struggling. So we're trying to figure out how we do oversight for, for a bunch of churches. Um, the Lord has spoken to us about another church plant that we are going to look at over this next year uh, up in the North Coast, okay? Um, now, Antrim don't know that yet, okay? All right, but um, there, there is a group of people that are up there and, and uh, you know, we've had another angel visitation, much to my displeasement. But uh, uh, when that happens sometimes, and for those of you who think are crackers, or I know it sounds crackers, but there's an angel shows up in my bedroom, puts me in the vision and shows me where to go. This time he showed me the big dipper and I'm going, poor Rush, come on God. Fiji, Hawaii. <laughs> poor Rush. Great in the summer, terrible in the winter. But, you know, that's when the Lord speaks and, and, and we have to follow his leading. Um, so how, how do we do? Well, we're trying to figure out how we do multi-site uh, in governance. And uh, 
uh, that, 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 so we have a national vision. We do big events. We, we bring people in. Uh, we run a conference. We're going to run another conference this August. We've got some things happening in March we'll let you know about in the coming weeks. Um, um, uh, so we have, we have a vision for Ireland. Uh, we really do. And we want, we want people to come to that where they can receive revival and the Holy Spirit. I, I don't think I've ever been at a conference um, even though we are, and I'm biased, I, don't, I think August was just incredible. The feedback still coming from that is unbelievable. People's lives were changed. I was talking to Johnny, he just said how much God had impacted him. And different people, you know, we had over 50 healings. And, um, you know, we, we, we need to create that. Bringing that, that world in does something to us and, and we catch it. That's why we go to the places that we go, our revival hubs. That's why I was away for the last three days in Cromwell Church in Leicester. And uh, just hanging around people that get it and carry it. Uh, and I want us to get it and carry it. And we are a charismatic church. I'm not going to apologize about that. We do believe in the priesthood of believers. We believe in the fivefold ministry. And uh, I don't think any of that's going to change. So as we set vision and as we set culture, um, our core values uh, have been agreed. Um, so you, if you don't know what our core values are and you want to know that, go on the website. They're not going to change anytime soon. But what I love is that we take these core values, we hold them, and then the local expression is, is the people that express those core values. Um, that said, um, Thomas and I, we, we've talked a lot, and I, I want to say something about, about Thomas. Um, two years ago, I'm thinking Thomas might be ready in five years' time. <laughs> All right? And uh, when, you, when God anoints and calls someone, um, it's very hard for God to lift that off you. Sometimes it's like, they call it the apostolic curse. When you get it, it's like, God, please take it off me. You know, Rachel says, can we never have a dinner without you talking about church? And I go, no. It's in you. You wake up thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. You can go and do other things, but that's where our heads are. And I saw that come on Thomas the last few years. And to see the growth in him um, continually, what I love about him, he takes feedback. He's not afraid of criticism. He pushes back. He, which I love, he, if I tell him this is what you should do, he'll go, no, I'm going to do it this way, which means we've got a leader. And that's really what we want in doing that. And in many ways, we've, we've built a team around him. Um, we, 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 we've invited um, uh, six other people to come on and help Thomas do eldership down here. Now, let me say what's not happening, all right? We aren't abandoning ship and leaving you to your, to your own, okay? Uh, these guys will work with our current team. Uh, developing training and, and moving forward. Um, but today, I, I want to present these guys to you. We will bring them in in about a month's time. But what I want to say is, that as I present these people to you, that uh, for any reason that you know why they are not fit for purpose or fit for office of eldership, um, purely on a moral basis, so if you know anything that we don't, please come and share it with us. That's what we do. Uh, other than that, we will bring um, these folks in. So we're going to bring Hannah in as well. So Thomas's wife, Hannah, uh, Fiona, Edgar, uh, sorry, Fiona Newell, Heather Edgar, and James and Christine Coffey. We're going to invite those guys on to be elders. Um, uh, th th these are people that we've been working with. And, uh, sorry, Zoe as well. Hi, sorry, and, and Zoe. Sorry, Zoe. Uh, I was up early this morning writing this. Yeah, and um, and and what. These are folks that we've been working with. These are folks that, that, that we've been talking to in the background. They've been to some of our elders' meetings. And uh, th these are folks that we really believe have a heart, a vision, and a call to do this. Um, are they young in, in, in maturity when it comes to eldership? Well, yes, sometimes you have to grow into this. I always say to anybody when we give them eldership, if you want this job, you're nuts. All right, um, but when, when, God, when God raises up, we, we've prayed a lot about this and, and the team. The other thing as well is, we, we, you know, people say to me, well, 
you know, you build. I, I, I really felt the Lord say, we've got to build for the next 35 years. And I know there's some really, really mature people in this room. And if anything, you are the elders of this room. Um, but there's something in you guys helping the sons and daughters of the house to grow. Uh, I, I mean this with the greatest respect. We can't build for 30 years with 60-year-olds. Uh, even though you've been here, done that, got the t-shirt and wore it, we have to invest into a younger generation and raise them up. And uh, that's my heart. It's, it's a heart. I don't want to wait till I'm 65 to hand over things. I want to do it now. Uh, and I watched many, many real bad transitions go on where a bunch of groups of people who grow together in the age, they hit 65 and then they try to hand it down and they don't have a team below them. We want to do that early on, but that doesn't nullify you from leadership. It's really important that parents and grandparents are very, very important in family. I want my kids to win, they're 18 and 16. I see them grow, I want them to make good decisions, I want to do them. Sometimes they make stupid decisions, uh, you know? But every now and again, you get a wee text message saying, Dad, could I have a, ch could I have a chat with you? Let's have a chat. Well, how are you feeling about that? Well, I think I'm gonna do this. Okay, it's not what I do, but then you're gonna do. And I think as we've led and learned to let go, it is important that we trust these folks for leadership. So I do present them to you. Um, we have prayed faithfully about this. We do believe that, that these folks have got an absolute core inheritance of what it is to, to lead church around here. And um, so pray for them and we bring them in in a month's time. We also have a wider leadership team, people who are in charge of things, and uh, we need to pray for them. And I think going forward, we've got to get better at some structure. There's a few things that we're going to be changing in regards to how we take care of people, pastoral care. Um, we'll, we'll present that over the next few few weeks as, as we go along. I don't have time today to do that. But we are going to change some things up. And as I said, we are going to move to a membership scenario. Um, it's easy when you look around this room here. Okay, well, we're in. We're coming. But uh, we, we want people to feel like they own something. And I think with it a little bit fluffy in the air, it hasn't always been that way. So we'll, we'll bring you more about that. Um, our core, value, our core va values that we, we, we espouse to as a church won't be changing. Um, we still want to be a, a church that pursues the presence. Uh, you know, in the presence of God um, is the most important thing. I, I watched some you know, I haven't seen you lead worship. This is the first time up here today, is it? On the keys? No, well, it's the first time I've seen you. And uh, both of you, you know, it's good. And, and, and it's so hard, believe me when I tell you, it's so hard to have presence-driven worship. It's so difficult. You, you, need to, you, you need to know that. And there's not a Sunday hardly where we come in where the presence of God is intangible and real and all of that. We want to continue to do that. So we are a church that will pursue the presence of God. Uh, what does that look like? Well, if somebody's up here and they're anointed and they play the spoons, there's a chance they could be here. Um, now, why am I saying that? Well, we want, we want to have a good worship set. We want to have a good worship team. And to be honest with you, we had a bunch of Antrim people who were traveling down here. It takes about an hour uh, on a Sunday coming in here very early on to do that. And uh, I think we just about milked that for as long as we could. Uh, now, now we have to grow in here. And if that means we beg, steal, and borrow, uh, we, st we steal and borrow, which is what's going on right now. But we need it, we need it, we need in house. We need to grow that from within. Uh, and it's when we worship God, we bring our, we bring our, our, 
we bring our absolute conviction to lift him high over this place. And it's he who produces his presence. He walks by. The Bible talks about Christophanies. It's when Christ passed by. And we want a place where the presence is that. A clear call to worship. You know, this isn't just that we show up here and we let people pick their songs and do that. We're, we're specific in the angle that we want to take and how we want to worship the Lord. And we also want to see testimonies. You know, by the, by the power of a testimony, we overcome. And I promise you, you know, there's testimonies in here that if I had a video camera and, and kept for five years and just stored everything that's up, it would actually blow our mind to see the growth. I mean, Thomas is a testimony in himself. To see the growth, to see how people come along, it's, it's never underestimate the small beginnings and the small things. And you might look around and go, is this it? But no, it's not. It's actually incredible in the heart of what God's doing. So present. So we believe in power encounter. Um, um, when Saul was on the road to Damascus, um, let me just see if I can find it here. Um, he, sorry, my, my computer went in a bag that I left in Antrim with all my notes on it. So I'm slightly flying by my seat of my pants. That's not the first time that's happened. Where's Axe? There we go. And um, I mean, the story, the, the story of, of, of Paul's salvation, he was walking along the road. He was a Pharisee that was out to, to disturb the church and the growth of the church. He, he didn't like them very much. And one day, he had this random encounter. Have you ever had a random encounter? Anybody? Some of you? If you haven't had a random encounter, you should ask the Lord for one. All right? And uh, Paul's randomly walking along to a road to Damascus and, and God puts him into this encounter which actually produced our theology of the New Testament. You, you have to understand something. For three days he got a download. His eyes were blinded out and he, he got this power encounter. We are absolutely committed to help our people have power encounters. Um, it's easy sometimes whenever the world comes into our lives and we just, we, we flap about a bit and, and, and we don't always feel the presence of God. But actually there's something when you get the power of God that explodes in you that changes your life. And we want you to have an ability to receive prayer, healing. We want to see supernatural signs and wonders and we, and we want to see the miraculous. And, and we will continually pursue the pursuit of that power. Um, you know, it's, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 1, um, he did not come with clever words, but with a demonstration of power. Uh, and it is important that you maintain that as we move into this new season. And the third thing that, that we are absolutely committed to as a principle is salvation. It, it is important that we just don't stay very comfortable. Too many churches forget about this. You know, I'll leave that up to the evangelists. Well, where are they? I, I hate to tell you this. You're it. You're the evangelists. And we're waiting for some uh, hero to swing in on ropes. But actually, um, and it burns in me to see lost souls are going, uh, who, who are going to hell. Let me say that again, because I don't think we say it often enough in some of our churches. There's a bunch of lost souls who are going to an eternal separation from God. And sometimes I think we don't care. And you kind of go, well, what do we do? You, if you don't have a conviction for that inside of you, um, we're going we're gonna to hammer that hard to get inside of you, to raise up a church that actually has this conviction for people. It is harder to lead people to the Lord these days, particularly when it comes to conviction of sin. But can I tell you something? It's dead easy to talk to people about Christ. Don't confuse the two. 
If you've been thinking your evangelism is the first one, you've got it wrong. Just talk to people about what Jesus has done in your life. You would be amazed how people are open to that conversation right now. It's, uh, we think they're not. We say no's for them. But have a conversation. It takes courage. I'm not going to lie. You have to pluck up a bit of faith, a bit of courage to be able to do that. But try it. Make a commitment this year. At least, and I'm, I'm making this dead easy for you, at least once a month. Once a month. I'm going to talk to somebody about Jesus and I'm going to put that into my heart. I'm going to put that into my life and I'm going to find somebody to talk about Jesus. And then ask the Lord to bring you them. He, it's actually, when you ask them, it's easy. Honestly, I, I'm on plane this morning. I'm sitting beside our team. There's a girl sitting in between me and Matthias. And uh, she says, oh, what are you guys saying? Oh, we're over at a church conference. Oh, right, you're, you're pastors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, how long have you been doing pastor? And before you know it, you know, well, you know me. I'm just crying her eyes out. And... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, and, and we're talking to her about Jesus. And, you know, that finds me, but you need to find it as well. And if the heart of this house isn't to see people come to Jesus, then it's all that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for the salvation of all those who believe. The fourth thing is commun- communion and fellowship. Well, what, what do I mean by that? Well, we have to meet together to break bread, but I don't think it's just about communion that we do at church here. I think there's something in small groups, getting together, having community, having fellowship, going out for dinner with each other, getting to know each other and chatting to each other. And that includes the people you don't like. All right? You know, (laughs) we we, we always joke about this, but when you're a pastor, you have to pastor everybody. And it's easy for a congregation to maybe not like somebody or a group of people. And it's sometimes, it's easy to sway with the masses. And Jesus said, no, I will leave the 99 every time to go after the one. If you can't love, hear me on this, the lowest common denominator of a church life, don't stay here. Go somewhere else. Because the reality is, it's the broken, damaged people that come in that it's hard to love, that we're called to love the most. You will never love each other unless you learn to love somebody that's really hard. If you don't understand that, you just need to read the Gospels again, okay? It's kind of what Jesus did. And uh, we want a place where people can come in and have fellowship. Uh, and the other thing as well is, is we don't have a high standard in this building. <laughs> you know, we, 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 you, you are welcome to come to church in any state that you're in. And the moment you cross into any form of leadership serving in our church, then I do expect the calling of an elder to drop on you. Now, you may not be an elder, but the standard goes to the same. So we have, a, we have a slightly different policy here in that anybody can come and belong in this church. They don't even have to believe. They can come and be here in whatever state their life's in and then help them on a journey. But if you're in leadership, if you're any way involved, even serving tea and coffee or, or in a team, then the calling for your life is the same that you hold me to. I'll hold you to the same thing. So there is a higher calling when God calls us to that. But that shouldn't negate us being able to go in and be real with people. Listen, the world doesn't need any more weird Christians. All right? We have far too many weird Christians. Just don't be weird. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I get it. Sometimes the Lord gives us encounters. But that's probably not the best place to start, okay? But let's not be weird anymore. Let's just be real and be honest and be vulnerable and be hopeful. Good grief. You know, sometimes you hear Christians and they're the most depressed people on the planet. You know, woe is me. Please, for the love of goodness, don't be that person. You know, find the joy of the Lord and find hope and, and share that with other people. And here's one for you. Invite, invite somebody you would never invite to your house for a dinner. Just try it. I do it and Rachel kills me. 
But try it. Give it a go. You, you, you won't believe what God does in you when you do that. It's not because you're blessing somebody else. It's because God wants to do a work in you. You know, push yourself. Learn to struggle in the kingdom. You know, I think sometimes we want the safe route. Live safe. Keep everything safe. Play it really nicely. Have nice church and have a group of people who feel and look like us. Don't play it safe anymore. Have, have listen, it's so much more fun. You'll never be bored, all right? You know, it's like, put, intric- put complicated characters into your life. You want to grow? Find five complicated characters and help them and disciple them. Oh, you're the complicated characters, that's right. I forgot about that, I've got you in my life. But no, I'm serious. Find five complex characters and put them in your life and then have a go at disciple them. It's the best fun ever. I promise you, you'll never be bored at two o'clock in the morning when they're ringing you. You think I'm joking? I'm not. See, that's the called life. That's the life of a Christian. And finally, a kingdom of priests. I really, really, really believe in the principle of the, of the priesthood of all believers. This isn't just up to a team of elders. Elders are called specifically to do, to do a job. But actually, you're all priests. Did you know that? You don't look like you're dressed like priests. But in all seriousness, you are. You see, the day that, that Jesus died and rose again in the temple, curtain was torn in two and the Spirit of God was released. It was in that moment that everything that happened in the Old Testament was fulfilled, that you all would be priests. Before there was one, now there's millions of them all over the world. But if you're afraid to be a priest or, or don't understand what it means to take on that mantle, then you'll, you'll, you'll not be very priestly. Well, what does priest look like? Well, that's a good question. You should ask yourself and go study it. Um, you know, if you want a really good deep one, go, go study the order of Mekeseldek. That's not right. I haven't said that right. Mekeseldek, all right. You, you, you want to know about the order of priests? Go, go study that. that. That'll take you a long time. But, but priest in the New Testament is you. You're it. You have the ability to see healings. You have the ability to raise the dead. You know, people say all of that. That, that would have been nice for, 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 for the Gospels not to contain that. You know, I can do preaching the Gospel and I can even pray for the sick. But the raising of the dead, like, don't put that in there. That's just weird and people think you're weird. And yet, that's what we're called to do. There's not many people doing the, hey, come out of that grave, Lazarus thing these days. And yet God's called us to be that. And you're the priest and you're the hope of the nation. Let me say that again. You're the hope of the nation. Now, could you tell your face that? All right. It's true. We are the hope of the nation. And the truth is this. If we're going to really see Dan Patrick, and, and not just Dan Patrick, because I think we've, we've got a vision that's much bigger than just Dan Patrick. Um, Dan Patrick is an incredibly hard place to evangelize. Why? Because they're all Christians. Let me say that again. They're all Christians. And just because they don't think and look like us or go to a different church, what they need is a power encounter. They need to understand that their faith in Christianity needs a flame that's fanned. So don't start from the perspective, from the perspective of a Protestant. All right, now I know somebody can't help it, all right? But actually start from the perspective of kingdom. These are my brothers and sisters and I have something of the power of God that they need. That's your conversation every day of the week. So Dan Patrick's an interesting place to evangelize. And yet we've all of these hundreds of little villages all around there that need Jesus too. 
Uh, and we, 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 we started a little bit of the outreach into that and we want to continue to do that uh, and, and serve all of those communities as well as our local community. Uh, and again, we will continue to do our Easter egg drop, we'll do our summer events, we'll do our Christmas stuff. You know, it is amazing to me this year when you walk in and you see what the best part of 800 people come through this place and they hung around this year. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Previous years, they get in, get it done, and get out the door in case they burst into flames or something. I don't know. And uh, whereas this year, they hung around and chatted and they talked. And the more that we do that, the more that they, 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 they get comfortable with what we do, we get goodwill. And eventually, we'll hopefully get good news. Um, I, I don't have anything more to say, but I want to say this. When you build a team of people who love the Lord, it's always amazing to me what comes out of that, it, it, what overflows, what spills. What I love now is I don't get phone calls saying we're going to do an alpha course down here. You know, that was me that would have did all of that a year ago. Now I've, we've got a team that are, are doing it themselves. And there's no one who's happier than me. One, because I'm not down in Down Patrick half as often as I used to be. But, but because you watch a team develop and grow and they learn and they shape and it's like a river begins to mold and you see a group of people who are passionate about God, that, that, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Seeing people walk in their destiny and being fulfilled. You are a priesthood of all believers and when you grab hold and God puts a passion in you, if you're depressed, bored or not excited, can I say something? You need to find yourself a vision. You, you really do. I remember saying to Rachel one time, I was probably about, I think I married a few years, I think maybe about 30. And I, I, I always had an evangelist element in me to see the lost saved, but I was so done with everything. I, I said, look, I'm just going to go and become a diving instructor in, in Fiji. She, sa she says, it comes with a free divorce. Uh, so for about a year, I was, I was lifeless, depressed, and really wasn't fulfilled in anything that, that I, I, I knew to do. And, and somebody came to me with a prophetic word. How many of you know a prophetic word can change your destiny for the rest of your life? Someone came with a prophetic word and said, God's called you for a mission. And you don't know what it is yet, but he's going to show you. And over the course of the next two years, God began to put the heart and we saw a whole bunch of kids get saved in Antrim, 50 of them. And they started, they were renegades. They were not going to fit comfortably in the local Presbyterian church. Um, some of them smashed the windows of the elders' cars. That didn't go down well. <laughs> so we took them into our house, and we had four different age groups on a Sunday night for about five years. And they grew. Some of them now are, are the leaders in our church. Rihanna, Bru you know, Rihanna Brubaker, Mickey and Amy Arthur, Shereen, Jordan, the guys in Antrim, who are these kids that come up. They're all having babies now. It's like, what the heck? That's when you know you're really old. Um, and... And to see them grow and develop in the discipleship that you start is incredibly powerful. You have to find a group of people that you can invest into. You know, find a vision, ask the Lord for one. And if you don't have one, come and talk to Thomas. I promise you, he will find you one. All right? Um, I don't normally do this, but I know there's some questions. If anybody has any questions about any of this, and I know Sunday morning is not always the place to do that, but you've got me here now. Um, Thomas and I are here, and uh, uh, we don't often do that, but if anybody's any questions about where we're going in the future, seriously, you, you, you can ask them. Feel free to ask them now if you want, because if, if you're thinking a question, maybe uh, maybe someone someone else is thinking it as well.
go you. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what happens is some people come in. We've a we've an open door policy here. We've always had a if you come, you come. Great. If you don't, don't. That nobody nobody will chase you if you leave. Hear me. That's not because we don't love or care. For 